Welcome to Paddy Talks, brought to you thanks to Seed Golf Balls, who deliver you affordable tour performance, same performance, half the price. Check them out at www.seedgolf.com and try them today. On today's show, it's a Q&A with yours truly, with me, Paddy. We've had loads of questions over the last four months for the show, so let's get a few of them answered. But first, roll it there, Roisin. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Joe Bradley told us the production line was finished in Kerry. Well, Joe Bradley, what do you think of that? everyone thank you for pressing play as i said there in the intro today's show is a q and a with yours truly so it's a bit different to be on this side of the microphone in that i'm here answering the questions i realize there is a certain pressure in that now and that you kind of have to watch what you say and you don't want to offend anyone before we go any further i would just like to say thank you to everyone who's listened to date we are up there competing with the big boys especially in the golf segments of podcasts so that's great to see I also want to say a big thank you to everyone who's come on the show. So from Gary Hurley, Matt Adams, the first interviewee back in July at the Irish Open. Owen Gibbons, who is coming up soon. Owen has even asked a question. So it's great to have interaction from future guests, let alone current ones. A massive thank you to everyone who has left a review. Keep them coming. That is what helps increase the rankings. It's what increases reach of the podcast. It's what increases the chance of... Um, even more guests coming on the show. Well, without any further ado, let's get stuck into these questions. So thanks to everyone who put in a question. There has been a few of recurring questions, so um, we'll include them all. Straight up off the bat is my good friend, uh, TJ Hackett. I actually met TJ at the Irish Open for the first time, and that has transcended into quite a good friendship. But he asked the question of, who's the best ball striker you've seen on tour this summer? So, yes, it harps back straight to the Irish Open. The best ball striker I have seen in person is Eric Van Rooyen, South African, uh, sponsored by Grayson Clothiers. Uh, he rocks the... Um, the kind of tracky bottomed, uh, cuffed off cuffs. So yeah, fashion statements from Mr. Van Ryan, but one of the best ball strikers I've seen in person. He actually won a few weeks after the Irish Open, so he was in a rich vein of form. He's on the PGA Tour as well, um, to my knowledge, so definitely one to stick a five-round week on week. Eric Van Ryan, serious, serious ball striker, as are many, if not all, of those South Africans. Dara Hugh Kelly asked the question, I have a question. Um, so Dara, I know you well, I know what you're like. It's good to have a bit of banter in the podcast as well, so a worthy mention for Dara Kelly there. Uh, next question, Hugo underscore Norris underscore 16. Can you please upload more on YouTube? Now that's been a question I've been asked quite a bit over the last four to six months, I suppose. This whole Paddy Golf malarkey started a couple of years ago when I kind of turned around and I said, I've been playing off 10 for 10 years and I want to get better and I was watching a lot of YouTube videos not just golf ones but a certain Peter Finch, Rick Shields, uh, Andy Carter, uh, me and my golf were basically the top four um, YouTube channels. 
I was watching a bit of those and I was like, do you know what? I think I'd love to do a bit of this. So I started Pedigolf on YouTube. I set up the social media platforms and it was all with the view of to get me out playing golf that bit more in terms of if I want to put up a video this month, I have got to go and record. I've got to get out and practice and I have to record what I do and then edit it up into a video and upload it. And I really enjoyed the process. I actually learned that I enjoy the editing process more than being on camera now. There was a couple of win-win situations in that. I needed to work on my presenting skills for work and that was all part of being on camera as well. So it was kind of, I got a bit better in that. I used to say, ah, about 30, 40 times in a video and also on a podcast and on a podcast, you can take them out. So you're only subjected to a couple of those week on week, which yeah, I was kind of a holistic process in terms of making a YouTube video, getting out practicing, playing around a golf, but the level of work required to get a video together um, like that, even a five minute video. So I made a five minute video for a friend of mine, even last week um, for a presentation they were giving down in Limerick. It was just around golf uh, mobility and kind of me as a case study. But even that five minute video took an hour and 10 minutes uh, between videoing it and getting the take right and getting the editing right and sticking the backing music on and some um, overlay of logos etc so there's a lot of time goes into YouTube so I have massive 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 respect for the likes of Peter Finch and Rick Shields and those guys and girls who are doing it consistently with one and multiple videos per week the answer to the question Hugo is yes I'd love to upload more videos I actually have two in the tank so I have a round of golf in Tralee from last April and that was when I played in the SM Open with um, Experience Ireland Golf Travel. So I've won from Tralee and I have won from Palmerstown. So if you would like to see those videos hit the YouTube channel, put me under a bit of pressure folks. Um, I have to record intros and outros. Yes, it's, it's months onwards, but an intro and an outro is just to set the tone for the video you're about to watch. So yeah, if you want to, me to upload more YouTube videos, it's all about supply and demand, baby. Michael Kennedy. Michael Kennedy is a guy who likes and shares a lot of my ridiculous posts. So Michael, thank you very much for all of your engagement. What are your current golfing goals? He asks. My current golfing goals is to get better. It's more than that though. It's to get better, get more consistent. I'm trying to get better in every aspect of the game. So from putting to chipping, pitching, iron play, Accuracy off the tee, um, not necessarily length off the tee, but accuracy off the tee, basically get a little bit more consistent in every area. And for me, I think a big area that I can improve on is general mobility and fitness. So I'm actually going again this winter, but a more applied way personally, I'm going again to get a TPI screening in the next couple of weeks as the season wraps up, see where I'm at, and then work on that over the winter time. But for me, it will be more around load management. No more ego lifting for me. I did that last winter. I injured myself and I was out for the best part of the golfing season. I was injured from April through to July, basically. So yeah, for me, it's all around uh, load management, uh, power, but functional use of power. So yeah, and I will have a couple of people on in the next few weeks talking about TPI work and what you can do and where you can go to do something similar. Shane underscore Riley underscore 88 asks, would a golf grip training aid help with a golfer whose right hand is too strong? My first advice for anyone who's looking at a training aid 
is has been recommended by the PGA Pro you're going to for lists. So rather than just buy something random off Amazon or off the internet that you think, yes, I have been told by someone that my right hand is too strong and this training aid will help me. Well, first of all is who told you your right hand grip is too strong? Look at all the greats of the game who had strong right hand grips and won multiple, multiple majors. So first thing is, yes, go to PJ Professional, get a full assessment and ask them about the training aid. Um, I love training aids in terms of ones that I know are required for me in my game. So I have a Paris Putting Shooter, I have two alignment sticks, and I have a stretchy band. And that is as far as my training aids go. I have a little button green um, rollout thing that I iron um, every couple of months for the sitting room. And that's the, the only other training aid. There is talk, um, there is talk. No, I have a wish list of, of a couple of different training aids. One is the Orange Swift Ball. Um, that's really good in terms of transitioning weight and maybe increase in swing speed and there's another training aid I'd love to have a look at in terms of it's similar to the orange whip but it's in the shape of a wedge so it just helps with that transition from the top of the backswing through to impact for a wedge for, for sweet sweet swings and, and ball striking so there are two I'd recommend in terms of something of a training aid because you've been told your right hand is too strong A who told you that and if it was PGA Pro, then ask me about the training aid. I'm not a qualified pro, so don't be asking me about training aids. Um, but yeah. At Bernard Leish, L-E-E-I-S, has asked me pretty generic but pretty valid question in terms of the best golfer ever, Tiger or Jack. Now, I've never seen Jack play live. I've seen pictures. I've seen the stats. Tiger, I've seen play live, JP Pro. Um, uh, in a dare, in the old dare manner. For me, it's Tiger. I grew up in the age of Tiger, but the best golfer ever, technically, in terms of what they've done, in terms of intimidation factor, in terms of um, sheer growth for the game, it's Tiger, if you compare Tiger and Jack. Best golfer ever, for me, um, Hogan, Mr. Hogan in terms of effortless swing, possibly retired too early, didn't like putting, but ball striking, I love a good ball striker. Eric Van Ryan, Exhibit A, but uh, from this year, but best golf forever, Tiger Jack from his Tiger. D Clancy Physio, so David Clancy, best training aid or practice exercise for helping with club and ball connection. So I kind of loosely answered this question already, is one of those orange whip wedges. Um, Definitely helps with sequencing for the swing. Has definitely helped me with um, club and ball connection when I've used one. Um, so that's in terms of training aid. In terms of practice exercise, I love doing um, a drill. I actually saw David Keating. David Keating there in Spawell. David Keating, um, feet together. Um, take an iron, an eight iron or a seven iron. And first swing is a small one, as I tell my son. First swing is a small one. So hip to hip, pocket to pocket and you're just trying to improve your ball striking with this one. Um, the second swing is three quarters, and the third swing is, is basically like a full swing. Um, so it helps with a number, a numerous things. It helps with ball striking, it helps with rotation, it helps with your balance. So yeah, that's a little practice exercise I use a lot as a warm-up as well. Uh, C. Keating's, Connor Keating's, I know you well, Connor. Uh, we've got a small bit, actually, a colleague from work. If you could get anyone to chat to for the podcast, who would it be? 
um, you, Connor, um, come on in, we'll have a chat all about golf and golf around Dublin and where to go. Um, I would love, obviously, to have one of the top, top pros on for a chat, so Rory or DJ or uh, Paul McGinley. I idolised Paul McGinley as a golfer since I was 10 or 11 years old. Someone who I think would be really, really, really interesting to have on the podcast is Trotty Golf. So I don't know if anyone follows Trotty Golf. Get following Trotty if you're not already over on Instagram and Twitter. Trotty is basically the main guy on the TaylorMade tour truck. Um, he has impact on, um, well, basically he takes feedback from the tour players in terms of for club design. So he's actually at fault or to blame for um, I believe the high toe wedges, which is crazy, crazy stuff. I mean, one of the best products to come out, definitely wedges in the last couple of years. Um, his outlook on the game, his outlook, his attitude towards the game, his attitude towards fitting, his approach to creating content is crazy, crazy good. So yeah, that's one person I would love to get on the podcast. Why? Because that's an industry I tried to get into, that's why I did mechanical engineering in college. My goal was to go design golf clubs, didn't really pan out for me. So yeah, current day-to-day Trotty Golf is the guy I search first thing in the morning for um, on Instagram. It's has he uploaded something because it's just so, so good. Owen.Gibbons.Golf asks, why am I a legend? Um, that's with a couple of smiley, winky faces. Owen um, is coming on the show in a couple of weeks' time. I went up and interviewed him, and uh, we have a podcast in the tank, but there's a ball um, collector going off rapid in the background, so um, it's one of those things where I was like, this can be better. Um, so yeah, Owen, why are you a legend? Well, for me, um, the wizard, I call Owen the wizard, uh, purely because, yes, after we had that podcast, which didn't really work out audio-wise, is he gave me a tip on there. I was actually hitting balls beside Luke Donnelly, who he coaches, but we'll get into that in his podcast. And he gave me a tip, simple tip. Um, your early, your, I never understood what early extension was, but I was a prime culprit of it. He explained it to me in ballpark 60 seconds. He gave me one bit of advice, which was, um, which was uh, balance points. So watch your balance points and showed me where my balance points should be. Hence those couple of, Instagram post about six weeks to eight weeks back and my god uh, Did it make a massive massive difference? So for me on that is why you're a legend I can only imagine what a 60-minute lesson with you can do for me and um, so yeah we'll, we'll get that one in the diary uh, in a couple of weeks time a few other questions uh, and these are the last couple Colin Burke from Twitter is it easy or hard to get guests um, so far, thankfully, no one has said no. Um, it's a prime example of what we are like as Irish people. We just love to talk and have the chats. Um, I approach people in a very unofficial way, I suppose. It's not very, it's not, it's not really a hard sell. Uh, I rock up on my DM, I might DM you on Instagram or Twitter, and I might say, hey, look, I love what you're doing, I love your story. I do this kind of dodgy podcast, be great to come and have a chat. And that's basically the pitch. And thankfully, no one has said no. I am really looking forward to interviewing some of the top Irish golfers in the game at the moment across amateur, Euro Pro, Challenge Tour, and hopefully some European Tour folks between now and Christmas. So stay tuned for those guests. And also the uh, TPI and fitness guys 
and also what I, I'm a big sport lover hence the intro is all around famous commentary and there are a few Irish footballers hurlers uh, rugby players athletics racing horse racing people who are all really really good golfers and I'd love to interview them in terms of where do they see the line between the sport they played and golf or why they play golf and how that transcends to their life or their work life. So their conversations I'd really love to have as well. Castle Gregory Greenkeeper asked the question and it's more not a question of me but a question of golf in general in that if golf clubs first started off predominantly as social clubs that engaged in the game of golf. Okay, so if golf clubs first started off predominantly social clubs, which they did, that then engaged in the game of golf, what do I think um, is the current balance? So what percentage of a golf club is social, is just there for the social aspect of being in a club, and what percentage is there for the actual sport itself? For me, on my experience, I've been part of two different golf clubs, Ennis Golf Club and Le Hinch Golf Club. There we go. Not one podcast passed without me mentioning Le Hinch. Um, sorry, but I was asked the question, but blame, blame Castle Gregory Greenkeeper, um, who was on the podcast, and his episode is really, really interesting in terms of their approach to greenkeeping down there. So, yeah, the, in my experience, percentage social and percentage sport. So Ennis and Le Hinch is, I would say, um, is, is more social than golf. The golf is of high quality, though, um, in the hinge to my experience, because there's so much on in terms of events and prize givings and the level of green fees there and the whole caddy program system is actually like a perfect mix of social and sport. So I couldn't put a percentage on it. For me, I would play more golf in the hinge than I do socialize there. So for me, it's around 65 or 70% for the sport and 25 to 30% for the golf in Ennis. It was definitely more on the social side. I was there with friends from school. We'd sit around and watch Sky Sports half the time and we'd play golf half the time. So they just split on that. I think it's for golf clubs on the whole and for golf courses around the country, that percentage split is totally dependent on the club culture itself and the members themselves. So everyone has a different prerogative. My father-in-law plays golf in Dukes. And he is one of those golfers that everybody might talk about in terms of, yeah, they're first on the timesheet and they're first home. And they don't really hang around the clubhouse. And that's that's some people's prerogatives. You know, some people have some people's some people have a very busy life. Golf is their outlet for a bit of me time. It takes too long as it is in terms of four to six hours, depending on how busy the course is. So yeah, maybe people don't have time to spend an hour or two socially afterwards as well. Sure they'd never see the family. If that was the case, I know I wouldn't. And so yeah, I think it's totally dependent on the club itself and the, the members within it. So yeah, very good political answer there. Last question. Alex McDermott at Yeelaw. So it's at Y-E-L-A-W-A Triple H. That is some username, Alex. Um, but he asked the question, which I get asked a lot actually here at work and, and around maybe at the range. I get asked this question and it's been asked four or five times in this kind of Q&A request I posted out on at Paddy underscore golf on Instagram and Twitter. Alex asks, what is the most reasonable green fee versus course quality 
in the Dublin region, please. So there's quite a few here and the, <laughs> the options for golf around Dublin are ridiculously high in quality. And I've yet to be disappointed by a golf course I played around the M50 and I count the M50 as from Hoth all the way around um, to Castle, uh, to Carrick Mines. So, um, and plus or minus 20 kilometers, the other side of it, which not a lot of Dubliners uh, would venture out to. So in terms of, for me, in term, I haven't played all of them. God, I haven't, but um, I'll get round to them all eventually. The most reasonable green fee. So I'll come back to the kind of golf society I run here at work. And uh, we've got to seven or eight out, seven outings this year, all reasonable green fees. So all 50 euro or less, um, feedback from the 30 to 40 guys and girls who have played in those events have been really good in terms of the golf courses and the golf courses we played in that society and there are plenty more more golf courses to play around Dublin which are of great great quality but these are the ones that we played this year Carton House the O'Meara course Luttrell's Town uh, Drew's Glen um, might be a bit more priced than 50 quid but if you if you organise a good group uh Max and the team there might do you a favour. Um, tell them Paddy sent you. After that, Tulfaris is it's a really class golf course. They've had a Euro Pro Tour there last year and this year, and will have it there again next year. If you want to venture 30 minutes from Dublin, Palmerstown House there in Nace. Nace is the place. It's really, really good. Nace Golf Club is really good. Craddockstown is really good. But we'll stick to we'll stick to the question in terms of around Dublin. A course which I heard loads of great things about they have some really low members in terms of really low handicapped out of the club um is old Connor, old Connor golf club it's 20 minutes down the m50 from exit 10 or 11 so it's not a million miles away old Connor, i was really really intrigued really enjoyed my round of golf there was actually only last week green fee was exceptionally good especially during the week uh, monday to friday uh, Shark Game Academy down there is is looks excellent. So I'm actually looking to bring the society back down there during the winter to get a Shark Game Clinic. So I would say for me, only because it's proximity to to work into the office would be all kind of for me this year. Uh, but looking forward to playing many more around Dublin. Um, the Grange is on my list. Um, Castle is on my list. Uh, Royal Dublin is on my list. The Island is on my list. Carbis is on my list. So there's plenty more to get to the European Club. So some really, really top golf courses all around Dublin. Uh, and haven't even mentioned the Port Marinox of this world yet. Um, so yeah, there are the questions. There are your answers. I hope you enjoyed them. Um, thank you all for listening. If you have any more questions, keep um, putting them in. And I might do a Q&A in, in another four months' time. I'd like to thank everybody who has pressed play thus far. I'd like to thank everybody who's been on the show, more importantly. Let me know um, in comments or on social media who your favourite guest has been thus far. And if you like the intros or not. If you want to have specific people on, get mentioning them. Get on to them on Twitter or Instagram or wherever you want to find them. Snap, Snapchat, uh, as my son calls it. Um, and say, hey, there's this podcast, you should be on it. So yeah, that'd be great. Keep leaving your reviews, folks. Keep sharing the show. Thank you all for listening. Um, thanks for pressing play. Until we teed up again soon, I'm Paddy. Mm -hmm.